Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Dumas, Texas, featuring biblical teaching and preaching from God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word. If you live in the Panhandle area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you at First Baptist Church. We meet every Lord's Day for Sunday school at 9 a.m. and morning worship at 10.30 a.m. We also have midweek discipleship opportunities for all ages on Wednesdays. For more information, visit us at fbcdumastx.com. That's fbcdumastx.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Now open your Bible as we explore God's Word together. Pastor Matt told me in January uh, that he wanted me to find a Sunday in February to preach because he had a topic that was already uh, picked out for me. And so I gave him a Sunday, which was last Sunday, <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> and here we are. But as we sat across the table from each other, he, sl- he slid uh, the, the paper of the, that has the sermon schedule on it. Morning, we're going to be looking at the name of God that's, that's used twice in the Old Testament, but many times referred to in the New Testament, Yahweh Mekodesh Kim. The Lord, the Lord who sanctifies. So go ahead this morning and turn to Exodus chapter 31, Exodus chapter 31, verse 12. That's where we're going to begin this morning. I do have the YouVersion notes uh, that are in the YouVersion app, so if you want to follow along there, you can do that. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation this morning, it's the, the translation that I use with our students on Sunday evenings and on Wednesdays. So you can follow along there as well. You know, pop, the pop culture music industry tries their hardest to relate to Christians by producing songs that they think will be received well. And in 1991, Brooks and Dunn came out with a song that used some church lingo in the song chorus. It was not written about a believer's relationship with God, but it had some words that could be confusing. This is what they sing. It says, I saw the light. I've been baptized by the fire in your touch and the flame in your eyes. I'm born to love again. I'm a brand new man. Now, I enjoy my 90s country. But it can't be where we get our theological principles from. You know, just three weeks ago on Saturday Night Live, Justin Timberlake sent his fans into a crazy frenzy with a new song that he debuted called Sanctified. I had Pastor Matt pull it up in his office on YouTube, and we both kind of watched in confusion trying to figure out what we were seeing (laughs) This is what his chorus said. It said, sanctified, rid me of my sins, take and forgive them, make me a new man. Can I get a witness? Sanctified. Uh, The rest of the song only muddies the murky waters that were there already even more. But glory to God this morning. He has not asked us to find our biblical theology based on the latest pop song from Brooks and Dunn or from Justin Timberlake, not even from the latest contemporary Christian artist or band, also not even from popular music. 
or from a new book from our favorite artist. He's contained all that we need in his book, the Bible, the infallible, inerrant, and inspired word of God. So let's read it together this morning out of Exodus chapter 31, starting in verse 12. It says, The Lord then gave these instructions to Moses. Tell the people of Israel, be careful to keep my Sabbath day. For the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant between me and you from generation to generation. It is given so that you may know that I am Lord who makes you holy. You must keep the Sabbath day, for it is a holy day for you. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. Anyone who works on that day must be cut off from the community. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day must be a Sabbath day of complete rest, a holy day dedicated to the Lord. Anyone who works on the Sabbath must be put to death. The people of Israel must keep the Sabbath day by observing it from generation to generation. This is a covenant obligation for all time. It is a permanent sign of my covenant with my people of Israel. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but on the seventh day he stopped working and was refreshed. When the Lord finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave, gave him the two stone tablets inscri inscribed with the terms of the covenant, written by the finger of God. Let's pray. God, this morning, as we begin to dissect our text, God, and to get into talking about this morning, the meaning of the name Yahweh, Mekodesh Kim, God, let us be inspired by you. God, let us feel your presence this morning. Let, us, let, our, let your Holy Spirit move amongst us this morning. God, may it be where I can step out of the way. God, we can hear your voice this morning. God, I'm so thankful for the opportunity given this morning to preach. We ask that you would speak. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The, observant, the observance of the Sabbath was, it was the fourth commandment, the fourth of the ten commandments given to Moses in Exodus chapter 20. It was a sign of the special relationship between Israel and God. And to honor the Sabbath, which was, as this passage tells us, to rest or to cease from work. It was, as, as verse 17 says, if you look at verse 17, it was a sign and a reminder of keeping the covenant. Verse 14 tells us in this passage that the Sabbath was a holy day, a day that was set apart, a day for the rest, a day for rest and, and for time centered on the worship of Yahweh. And in describing this Sabbath day in verse 13, God describes himself in this way. If you'll see in verse 13, it is given so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. It is given to you that you may know I am the Lord, Yahweh, who makes you holy, Mekodesh Kim. Your translation may read that, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. Yahweh Mekodesh Kim, as I said earlier, is mentioned or used 
twice in the Old Testament. It's used in this passage and also in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 8. And this is where God is decreeing punishment for different types of sin. Now, Mekadesh Kim comes from the Hebrew root word kadash, which means consecrate, dedicate, to sanctify, to make holy, or to set apart. It's a great reminder for us that in this passage that it was not Moses or anyone else, another prophet or someone else, that set aside or set apart the Sabbath as holy, but it was Yahweh, Mekadesh Kim, the one, the Lord, who sanctifies, who set, who set apart and set aside the Sabbath as holy. Because he who is holy is the only one that could do that. And he's the only one to set aside and make anything holy. And so I pray as we study this name of God today that it's overwhelmingly apparent that God has set aside his people as holy. He himself is holy and he desires for us as his people to be set apart for his purposes. Our interactive relationship that we have with God, we can be nothing but set apart because of his holiness. And so to further understand this Yahweh Mekodesh Kim and its implications for us today, we're going to look at two certain topics that deal, that help us understand it. The first one is that Jesus came to sanctify once for all time. Jesus came to sanctify once for all time. Let's go ahead and turn over to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to start reading in verse 8. Hebrews chapter 10 in verse 8. That's what it says. It says, For Christ said, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings of sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they were required by the law of Moses. Then he said, Look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which never can, can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. He sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he made perfect those who were being made holy. The writer of Hebrews contrasts the Mosaic law and the Levitical sacrificial system, which was the old covenant, versus the perfect sacrifice of Jesus and what we call the substitutionary atonement 
in his death or the new covenant. So you see this in this passage as it's compared and contrasted. The Mosaic law and the Levitical system of uh, sacrificial system in the old covenant versus the perfect sacrifice for Jesus. And so we see it in this way. In the old covenant, thousands of priests versus the new covenant, one priest. The old covenant priest continually standing versus the sitting down of the new covenant priest. In the old covenant, the ineffective sacrifices that only covered sin versus the effective sacrifice of the new covenant that completely removes sin. The old, in the old covenant, the repeated offerings and in the new covenant, the offering that was once for all. Two key verses that we're going to look at in this passage over this, this topic and our next topic. First is, is Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. Reread it for us. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. See that phrase, God's will. For God's, for God's will was for us. <clears throat> this is an unchanging purpose of God, which Jesus absolutely accomplished by bringing salvation to us. The Hebrew writer states that it was this sacrifice that you were made holy and sanctified once for all time. A theological term for this is positional sanctification, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what that means. Many times as Baptists, we use the term justification, which is a great biblical term to describe what happens in the moment that we are brought from death to life in saving faith of Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a term that's used in our Baptist Faith and Message 2000. We talked about it and said it together as a church, what it means to be justified. The original Greek word that's used here, that's used to describe the phrase, was, uh, was for us to be made holy there in, in verse 10 where it says, for God's will was for us to be made holy. The phrase for us to be made holy is in a form that is, that is passive, perfect, a passive, perfect participle, Okay. So going to English class, that's a past participle, okay? Meaning that an earlier single action had been completed by someone else. And so it's called positional sanctification because our position as sinners deserving God's wrath is changed to the position of a chosen child of the Father, perfect and set apart, in his eyes. And this is a one-time action by the Holy Spirit in the life of the unbeliever whom God has called from sin to salvation. And the unbeliever then becomes the believer. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, Peter says, says it in this way, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago. 
And his spirit, his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have cleansed and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Positional sanctification, when our position before God changed forever. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, Paul says, Paul says it in this way. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy. Oh, how wonderfully blessed we are to be set apart and made holy by him. Jesus came to sanctify once for all time. The second topic that I, that I want us to look at today is that God, by the Holy Spirit, preserves our sanctification until Jesus comes again. God, by the Holy Spirit, preserves our sanctification until Jesus comes again. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 10 and go down to verse 14 now. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, it says this, for by that one, uh, for by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. The original Greek, again, let's go back to English class or Greek class or whatever we want to call it this morning. The original Greek that's used in, the, in this verse for, for the phrase that says, those who are being made holy is in the form of a passive present participle, which that means the action that was done by someone is still ongoing, still continuing. And so this can be referred to as actual or progressive sanctification. When many of us hear the term sanctification, this is the process that, that comes to mind for us, a continual process that's continuing in the life of a believer. Vine's expository dictionary of the New Testament defines sanctification as the separation of the believer from evil and the ending result in the obedience of the word of God. And so as you look at your life as a believer, you understand that this process is continual. It's not a process that we can look at as we, as we have our lives here on earth that comes to an end until a moment. Uh, it's an active process that's progressive in nature. Because unlike positional sanctification, it is not that happens just in an instant. And while all three persons of the Trinity are active in this process of us being set apart, it is the Holy Spirit in our lives that is the primary agent that's at work. It's he who produces the fruit of Galatians 5, 22, and 23 in the life of the believer. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Go ahead and turn over to John chapter 17. In John chapter 17, 
Jesus prays what is commonly called the high priestly prayer. Some even refer to this as the true Lord's prayer. We see this raw, recorded, deep prayer of Jesus with the Father here. This is a transitional chapter in John from the ministry and teaching of Jesus to his betrayal, death, burial, and resurrection. This prayer is split into three different parts. He prays for himself in the first five verses. He prays for his disciples in verses 6 through 19. And then he prays, prays for all believers in verses 20 through 26. We're going to start reading in verse 13. So John 17, 13. Jesus says, and now, now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them on this, in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I've given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may, and may they be in be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I can, I can remember the first time that I deeply read and studied this passage. That as Jesus prays in verse 20, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I don't know about you, but it gave me a pretty incredible sense of awe and wonder of the power that was ongoing at work in my life at that very moment and continues on today. Jesus, on the night that he would be betrayed, prayed for our holiness. John 17, 17, let's, let's read that again. It says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your, by your truth. A process that was paid for, or prayed for so long ago by Jesus himself. Sanctified by the truth 
of God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible word. It's by this word that we learn to do what God wants, but also to hate what God hates. This, again, is all by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at, I'm going to read verses 13 through 16. It says, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't have You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. This is Peter saying, okay, men and women, boys and girls, let's go. Fasten your seatbelts, roll up your sleeves. It's time to get to business. It's not going to be easy, but you must heed the warnings that have been given to you. But God chose you for this so you can do this. Because God chose you, you can do this. Verse 15 says, You must be holy. In everything that you do. You know, the Super Bowl was last week. Today's the NBA All-Star Game. I I took Matt with me last week to go watch Texas Tech play Kansas, and he cheered. I saw him clap. (laughs) And, you know, an often phrase that's used in sports is trust the process. Trust the process. And we must do the same thing in our sanctification. Trust the process. The process, because our guide is trustworthy. I want to read a few passages, and I'm I'm going to go through these fairly quickly, so you don't you don't have to turn with me. But in Philippians chapter one, verse six, it says, "I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue His work until it is finally finished." on the day that Christ Jesus returns. Then over to uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, May he, as a result, make your heart strong and blameless and holy as you stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus Christ comes again with all of his holy people. Amen. And in 1 Thessalonians Paul writes this, chapter 5, verses 22, 23. Sorry, 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen For he who calls you is faithful. God, by the Holy Spirit, preserves 
our sanctification until Jesus comes again. And we can trust that because God, who is Yahweh Mekodesh Kim, the Lord who sanctifies. Let's pray. God, we are extremely grateful for who you are that has done a work in our life and continues to do a good work in our lives. God, we come to you so thankful and grateful, understanding that all that happens is, is to know is because of nothing because of us. But God, it's all because of you. So God, I ask that in each moment of our lives, as things go well, God, as we struggle and things get hard and, and tough, God, I ask that our faith would never waver because you've never wavered with us. You've always been there for each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Sinclair Ferguson sums it up best for each of us in regards to sanctification. This is a lengthy quote, so hang in with me. This is what he says. It says, God the Father has destined us to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. It is both individual and corporate. It is the climactic ingredient in the blueprints Scripture has drawn for our ongoing Christian experience. It is the epicenter of all of God's of all God's work in us. It belongs to the essence of the process of sanctification and the holiness to which its end to which is its end product. Likeness to Christ is the ultimate goal of sanctification. It is holiness. So my question for you today, both believer and non-believer, as we sing together, who is like the Lord our God? He alone is strong to save and faithful in love. Lord is our salvation. Thanks for listening. For more information about what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, you can email us at fbcdumas at hotmail.com. It's fbcdumas at hotmail.com. You can also reach us by phone at 806-935-5604. We'll see you next time.